Tee us up, brother. This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Howdy, everybody. My name is Brooks Like, and welcome to another episode of How Men Think. This is a leaner edition. Thank you. You noticed. Yeah, buddy. You look, <laughs> that's Dimitri. You look fantastic, buddy. But when I say leaner, I'm not only referring to your extremely beautiful physique, my man. Whoa. Um, I'm also referring to the fact that Rick is gone. We're dropping like flies. We're, dro- we're dropping like flies. Rick is in Alaska. Gavin's on tour. And then Ryan's appendix just decided to explode. Yeah. Um, well, what happened was he, you know how he's competitive with you. He heard that you still have your appendix, so he took his out. I was, I was actually going to te- text him. I got another one up on you. I have an appendix. You don't. But I, I didn't think it was quite time yet. He's still on the hospital bed. So I'll, I'll maybe let that wait till he comes back in studio. Uh, but it's just you and me today, buddy. We're yeah. rapping. Um, and so with the leaner edition, we decided to bring in a very esteemed and special guest. Very special. Indeed. Yeah. And one that you know quite well. One that I know very well. He is, let's see if you can guess this. He is a world champion dancer. Me. Uh, not you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> At the age of 19, a world champion dancer. He is a two-time Emmy Award winner and nine-time nomination, nine nominations for an Emmy. He is a six-time Dancing with the Stars champion. Six freaking times. Six times. He's also a current judge on World of Dance on NBC. He's a he has his own tour, dance tour. He's also a celebrated author. I could go on for days about this guy. He's also my most favorite thing, my brother-in-law, Mr. Derek Huff is here. Yeah. That was my best intro that ever. Was right? Yes. 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 Well, you bring family in and yes. you just really do it. <laughs> Notice, hey, Dimitri, you didn't get that intro? Yeah, I got you look smelt or whatever, and then this resume comes flying down the yeah, pipe. Yeah, man. No, I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to be here, and, and it's, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Let's get talking. Let's what, get what, talking. What, what are we talking about? I want to, but I just want to, before we start, I want to say that this is because Derek has done all of that stuff. I don't want my brother-in-laws at home thinking, like, was it brother-in-law day and you didn't invite us? <laughs> yeah. This is strictly because he's way better than you guys. <laughs> How many brother-in-laws do you have? Two. Two. Okay, well, Derek has four. I do. Yeah. Oh, he's got four. So, so many. And um, is Brooks your favorite? Yes. Um, I mean, we're very close. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it's it's a common question to be asked, like, who's your favorite sister? Who's your favorite this? And I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta be very uh, very politically correct, correct on that one. That. <laughs> um, but I will say we have, we, we're very, I'd say we're very close. We spent a lot of time together. We have spent in the past a lot of time together. Yeah. Uh, been living together until <laughs> recently when you moved out. Yeah. Uh, but very similar in age. You're the same age as my younger brother, mm-hmm. uh, who's two years younger than me. So we have hit it off as brothers, and our relationship has certainly grown and expanded. And now it's which is the- which is kind of crazy because the thing is with Brooks and I, um, we are we were sort of po- polar opposites. Um, you know. Uh, just, just in sort of the way we've lived our lives, and just sort of our environments were were so so different, um, and so it was kind of it was interesting having him join the family, and it was sort of like, oh, this is this is awesome, you know, this is great. And I mean, how was it for you? How was it for you joining the family? Because here, here, because here's the thing, here's the thing. There's so many, there's so much, so many women in my family. So many, they are like the dominant force, you know, and. Uh, and usually, to be honest with you, the the guys who you know join the family, 
kind of kind of go with the flow. They just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah. And Brooks kind of you came, got a locker room hockey guy who just comes back. Oh, he, he was like, yo, this is the way I live my life. This is what I do. <laughs> Boom. Uh, no, we're not doing that. And I was like, yo, <laughs> that's what he did to us too. I like. I, what is this? He's he's being defiant towards this this sort of like uh, this wolf pack of wolf pack of, of seriously. And I was like, yeah, respect. I like this. What is this? Okay. And then your sisters were like, Derek, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the first the first time I met all the sisters at once was at Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. So we went to the your grandparents' houseboat. Hurric- it, a hurricane. Oh, my God. It was four sisters, and there was just one talking over the other, over the other, over the other. And I just looked at this. I was like, this is this is worse than a five-on-five hockey fight. <laughs> like, some, sometimes we have sometimes a line. Sometimes we have a line brawl where all five guys fight all five guys. And there was more intensity in this conversation yeah. that I witnessed. It's, it's pretty amazing. And, but the thing is, and, and especially if you're not used to it, because when you're, you know, this, I call it my beautiful hurricane because they're all beautiful. They're all wonderful, um, you know, human beings. But it is different. And so Brooks coming in with the dynamic of like, just kind of honestly like a man's man, you know, like a fish, play hockey, you know, boom, 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 boom. Um, it was different. We were just polar opposites, I feel like. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had sort of been raised by women my whole life, um, dancing with women, coached by women, like just surrounded by – and it's been amazing. It's been incredible. But then to have that sort of um, that influence, that sort of, uh, I don't know, example of just like a dude um, definitely has been super beneficial to me. Uh to this whole sort of relationship that we've we've built and grown and stuff. It's been awesome. I appreciate it, brother. And right back at you because I needed a lot of the lessons that I've learned through you and your sisters and being in the family. Because coming from coming from I was my whole life I spent in the locker room. So twenty three dudes, twenty five dudes, a lot of them alpha males. It was just the environment I was in. So I was actually I looked at you and I was like, damn, that guy's got the life. He spends his life around dancers around beautiful women i spend my life around naked dudes all day long you know like why did i choose this path plus hockey plus the locker room uh but it was it was i've learned so much from d and i think um we've really balanced each other out a yeah. lot i learned a lot about how to be in contact, how to even speak with women. Is there an example you'd be willing to share? Well, our first, the first time, so we met and yeah. stuff through, so I, uh, through Julianne, we met. And then the first day that I went to his house, to your old condo, to hang out, like Dee and I are going to hang out just as dudes one-on-one. Um, we're just chit-chatting. And he, I noticed he was like a little flustered and I was like, what's up, dude? And he's just like, I just had a hard day, had a hard morning, just a bunch of stuff went wrong. And I just had to like have a tear and get it out and stuff. And I was like, I, it just caught me by it. I was like, whoa, that's You're something. Like, did you say a beer or a tear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I, I don't know what to do with that. I never hear that in a locker room. Like most guys would say the F word and stuff it and move on. And whatever. that was the type of guy I was around. But here was a guy that, that expressed his emotions which was brand new to me. And I was a deer in a headlight because I had never done it. And now if I look at my life now, that was a Kickstarter for me to be able to now ex- emotionally express myself. Um, but before that, I was, I was cold-blooded. Did I didn't express anything. Did it make you anything. uncomfortable that he was willing to cry and express that that was how he dealt with 
whatever was going on. I, let's not let's not say he cried here, but he's just like he had. <laughs> hey, a tear. You told us he was sobbing. One lone tear. By the way, is he a sad clown? By the way, how by the way, how awesome though? How he's like trying to like he's like, hey man, he was he was still he was still okay. But no, let's be honest. I was crying. I was like in fetal position. Like no, bye. Um, but no, it's interesting because it is. I've even seen sort of like, uh, and it's something we kind of talk about a little bit too. Like, you know, what is okay and acceptable, or or perceived to be acceptable from like sort of the the the, the traditional masculinity, right? And and at least for me, I, I feel like I've been fortunate to, you know, express myself because I've been around women who, you know, have no problem doing that whatsoever. So it comes very natural to me. Um, and it is like letting off sort of pressure off, you know, the gauge, you know, if something's holding, I'm, I'm holding something in, I can like release it. Um, but it, it is interesting seeing, like, I have seen sort of a massive sort of growth and change in that within you. But at least for me, again, it was almost, I was almost like too far on that spectrum. You know what I mean? I almost like, it was just too, almost too much. And so to be able to sort of have this sort of stru- almost like structure, you know, of Brooks sort of in my life and, you know, in my sort of environment and even living with him and having the routines that he has. It was like, oh, man, this is good. I, I, I actually started feeling a little bit more like my not like true self, but kind of getting connected back to that, like Man- masculine side. That, oh. Yeah, that energy. Right. Yeah. That energy. So it's like, you know, because you both have you have both energies, right? Like the masculine feminine, you know, and whatever it might be. But I was definitely like off balance. You know what I mean? I was a little off balance. By the way, so was I. I I was too. We both were. Right. And sounds like you guys needed each other. We did. We did. It was we're soulmates. No, I know you're (laughs) laughing, but it's seriously (laughs) very much so, dude. I think I believe that anything in an extreme is an imbalance. Sure. And I I was extremely unemotional to the point where it affected my relationships. I was unable to emotionally connect with somebody. My Mm. whole life was about competition, about uh, sensory deprivation, stuffing emotion so that I was unfazed in competition, stuffing pain so I was unfazed and could continue on. Um, But I don't think that's healthy. And being cultured like that, undoubtedly, it bleeds into other areas of your life. So maybe it serves you well in your sport, which it at some point did for me, but it also inhibited any sort of personal connection or relationship. And for Mm. the bulk of that 10 years till I met uh, Julianne, Derek's sister, I was, I was basically single. I was unable to connect with somebody. You know, it's interesting. You just kind of brought this up a little bit, but like, just because you were talking about relationships and you're talking about connecting, you know, it's interesting when I look back and I realize during my sort of like single years, I guess you could say I was on dancing with the stars. And I was teaching these women how to dance. I was connecting with them. I'm working with them, you know, all day, seven days a week for months at a time. And I get so connected with them. It is like a relationship. So I felt like I was like satisfying the connection part with them. Mm -hmm. But um, and so I don't I didn't feel like I could ever like fully connect to an actual like girlfriend or somebody like that on a deeper, deeper level. You know what I mean? It was almost like it was like met through working with them and then it was like I would go home and oh, does this make sense? I don't, I don't Absolutely. Think yeah. It yeah was, it, and, and it kind of reminded me a little bit because <clears throat> I, at least for me that the biggest change in my life has been being in a committed relationship for a long period of time. It's been a massive you know, change and it's been wonderful. It's been incredible. I love it so much and and it was something I was actually kind of fearful of at the beginning um, and I think that, and I kind of use this as a, sort of an example, but because my buddy was saying like, oh, I can't, 
you know, I can't have a uh, hold a relationship. You know, I'm always dating somebody new all the time. And you could see he really wants something. And I was kind of reflecting back on my time while Dancing with the Stars where I was like, I was almost having like these bite-sized relationships. It was like bite-sized. It was almost like the appetizers. And so, call it tapas dating. Yeah, small pretty much. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and we were never dating, but it was like, it was still like a relationship, right? So you're, pro- you're probably getting something out of it too, fulfillment. Absolutely. And, and it was only really when I like, I left the show, I was off for like a year, like a year and a half, something like that. And I was, there was like this space, there was like this like gap, this, you know, this hunger of like, oh, I, re- I need, I want, I crave like of, of the whole meal, like the, the actual main course. And so I was telling my buddy, I said like, hey man, try like, stop having like these appetizers, you know what I mean? You need to like just kind of stop for a while and just be on your own and just be with yourself for a while and get hungry and crave that like main course, that main relationship that you so much desire. And at least for me, that's how it felt. Once I sort of created that space where I was just with myself for like a year, year and a half, then it was like, I was ready for it, you know? Um, so it was like sort of a an interesting thing, but you were talking about, you know, connecting and, and uh, and at least for me, again, going back to the masculinity part, you know, balancing it out, um, that's made such a huge difference, you know, for me in uh, being able to be in a relationship with that, mm-hmm. you know, that polarity. So, Is it possible, too, because you said you felt connected to each person that you were training, so it was like a mini relationship. Is it possible that e- then each season would end? And so it was just, so you just got used to whatever this relationship was, not that it, I'm saying it was a physical relationship, but whatever it was, you're like, okay, this ends and then I'll move on to another one. Yes. So in your mind, you're like, this is what love is, or this is what that emotional connection with a woman is that it just ends and then there's another one. Yeah. And by the way, always, I was always like super down like the next day, even if I won, I remember mm-hmm. like winning, you know, and we're like celebrating I'm like, yeah, we're on a private plane in New York. We do all the morning shows and I'll almost every single time you know, every time that, that day I felt super down, everything seemed dark. I was like, cause you're breaking why, up. Why was basically. that? I so, think, I, well, I think part of it too, it used to happen when I used to compete as well, where I would be like building up to like the biggest competition in the world. I'm practicing, I'm training and there's a goal. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And then you compete, it all happens. And then it's over and you're like, terrible. <sighs> yeah. It's like, it's just, terrible. it's an awful feeling. Um, even when you won. Even if you won, because it's like that whole buildup was like, you know, you were looking forward to something, you had this clarity you had that you were working towards something and then when it's over, you're like, oh, now what? Like, what do I do? Like almost, and it's just, it only lasts for a little while, but that's how I felt every year after Dance with the Stars. And, but like you said too, is I think also subconsciously, I almost kind of, you know, equated relationships to that. They're oh, just temporary. Of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Like it's going to end. It's, it's, it's inevitable. It's going to end, um, so I might as well just accept that and not, you know, step over the line and put two feet in. It was always like one foot in and one foot out, you know. And also, too, I'm an emo- I was an emotional guy, so I didn't. I, <laughs> I was like, I don't ever want to feel heartbreak. Yes, I think a, every and- woman listening is relating to that part in that. The fear of the breakup, the fear of what could go wrong, is so debilitating yeah. that we have to prepare for it yeah. and I think we sabotage totally. because we're trying so hard to protect ourselves from that Yeah. how did you learn to switch that and not fear it well you know you know you're trying you're trying to not be fearful of sort of the inevitable right in the sense that you're going to get hurt there's going to be things that are going to happen you know right but like if you leave the if you leave the if you leave the house, right? It's 
you don't know. It's uncertain, right? It's, it's the uncertainty. You're going to go drive. There's that, there's a yellow line, you know, dividing you between oncoming traffic. And so if you're going to be fearful, you'll never leave the house. You just have to have faith, essentially. Like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be work out. But also, too, for me, the relationship part of it, the example of seeing, like, Brooks and Julianne, the commit, the commitment that they had firsthand on a day-to-day basis because I lived with them, um, was a great example to see something work and be successful as a relationship, to see things work out, to see things be worked through. Um, it was really beneficial for me to see that as an example but also for me too is I start I sort of like there's a great expression that if you trade your expectations for appreciation it changes because I always had this expectation of the perfect girl the woman I need to be with this is what I want from a woman this is what I want in a relationship this is what I this is like this is what I want right and the prob there's a good thing with that because you know you have a vision I suppose but the problem with that is that you're probably not going to get all those different things but you can work with them. You can, you can, you can, you know, develop them. And so for me, when I traded my expectation for like, well, why, well, she's not doing this and she's not texting me back and she's not doing this. And if she, and only if she did this, then I would love her more. I feel like I, I feel like, you know, she's not desiring me and I feel like, you know, blah, 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 blah. So then it was like that moment of like, okay, how can I trade the expectation for appreciation right now? Okay. You know what? And change my focus. Okay, you know what? She actually does do a lot of things. You know what? Wow, you know, I love it when she like touches my hand or she kisses me or in this certain way or whatever it might be. And and then it's like those feelings of like focusing on what I don't have or what I what's what we don't have. I start focusing on what we do have and building from that and keep building from that. So because you appreciated them more for, you, for the things that they did give you and absolutely. not looking at what they didn't. Absolutely. And by the way, it's not like that was it right. and you know, it's all good. It's like I have to, there's a, there's moments where those expectations come up. And then I realized, like, oh, maybe I'm not giving something. Because if I'm giving, if I'm giving something to her, you know, she's going to want to do those things anyways, naturally. You know what I mean? It's it's not sort of like a, well, if you do this, then I'll do that. Or even giving something to yourself, the peace or the faith to say, appreciate just where I'm at instead of expecting someone else to determine my happiness. I'd also like yeah. to just point out for those of you just tuning in or whatever, this is what some people consider the perfect man, Derek Huff, having very human emotions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Far from perfect. By, by the way, could anybody, <laughs> listen, anybody listening to that, can you resonate with that? Because I'm listening to that. I certainly can. Yeah. Um, Huge be, aha, like in the, the words <laughs> of my queen, Oprah. <laughs> aha uh, moment. I just said for the better part of 10 years, from 20 to 30, I was single in my professional career. And I developed some sort of expectation of what a girlfriend was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Right. I could not have been more wrong. And this just developed over time. I thought a girlfriend was going to do this for me and this for me and this for me and this. And I never thought about, geez, what am I going to do for this person? Yeah. And it, what you said about the appreciation thing is dead on, man, because as soon as I became aware of that, um, I've always said that everybody looks at, um, people look for somebody to fix them. They look for what is this person going to do for me versus how can I become such an amazing person to offer to somebody? Yeah. Yeah. And so when I figured that out, then everything in me changed to appreciation, like you said, and also acceptance. Like, wow, this person is Amazing. I, I thought I was going to get married and live back in Canada and spend my rest of my life in hockey. 
and I married an American girl who's a dancer that knew nothing about hockey, and now I live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine... And so we actually had this conversation with Gavin about, like, what does... Because he's single. Like, what, right. what does... Do you have an expectation of what a partner's supposed to be that's actually limiting you mm-hmm. from being in a relationship instead of just looking at the person you meet as like, wow, this person is amazing. And anything else, I can I can communicate if there's something else I want in this relationship. But he's got a lot of what you were saying as well. <clears throat> remember, if you remember, Gavin said he has to get himself right so that he feels like he can be the right person for for his partner and whatever. And I think we told him that. It was one of the earlier episodes. We told him, do you think any of our dads thought, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm look at me, I'm perfect now. Now is the time to have kids. Yeah. No, because there's never that moment where you yeah. think I'm perfect and I'm ready. So it's a matter of, of developing along the way. And like you said, changing from expectation to appreciation. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, um, when I, uh, that goes also not just in a relationship too, I feel like that's like in general, in general, just in life. You know, I think that we have such high expectations for anything. Like I was just joking around with my, my brother-in-law, uh, Michael, who's married to one of my sisters, Mary Beth. And Is it cool if he talks about a different brother-in-law? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I love okay. Michael. Right, cool. He's <laughs> hell of a fisherman. He's well, amazing. Hey, I just want to make sure. I you love guys him. Are, He's amazing. Yeah. He's the dude. But he was like, man, I just lose it when the plane doesn't have Wi-Fi. I just lose it. I can't believe it. that, that plane, We live in 2019. And I was like, bro, we're, we're flying in a metal bird hundreds of miles an hour. It's a miracle you're in the air. It takes two hours to get to this location that would have taken you three days. Like, that's an example of And, you're, and he's like, why can't I get a text from the ground from somebody right. with a phone in their pocket? Which, by the way, I get it. That's how I feel sometimes when I, there's no TVs in there, right? I'm like, oh my oh. gosh. But but the thing is, and in those moments you go, okay, hold on. My, my, sort of, my perspective is a little off right now. My focus is a little off right now. This is a miracle. I'm, yeah. I'm also the appreciation. Like I'm driving on roads I didn't have to pave. I'm reading books I didn't write. I'm, you know, we're living in this, you know, amazing homes. I didn't have to. Whatever it is, you know, we live in an amazing age and, and certain things that there's a lot to be appreciative of, including our relationships and also with my my family, you know, um, or, or just in general. I hear parents, you know, kids. My my mom, she doesn't understand, or my dad, you know, he just doesn't understand. I just, oh gosh. I said, well, hold on. I said, well, wow, what, you, what were you expecting them to say to you to make you feel good? Well, I, they should just understand me, but you're expecting them to. Mm-hmm. Pause for a second. Trade that for appreciation for a second. Focus on all things that they have done for you. Okay, well, you know, I, well, he has helped me out financially here, or, you know, he did call me that one day, and, and all of a sudden that focus changes, and then all of a sudden you're in, you're in a space now to actually give love and to understand the situation. It's so powerful because expectation, when I'm listening to you, and even when you said like talking about winning Dancing with the Stars and then feeling kind of blue the next day, expectation can be our undoing. Sure. Because I am applying it and if only he would text me every day, I'll be happy. But... But you, I've, I've heard that many times. By the way, by the way, every relationship I'm in. So check this, so check this out. It's gotta be me. So check this out. And you're not even in a big metal flying bird. This is on the ground, and you're not getting text. <laughs> so check this out. My <laughs> with 4G. Yeah, 4G. <laughs> LTE. LTE. <laughs> my 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 um, I was on tour, and I have you know a bunch of dancers, and one of my dancers, she was crying, and, and I was like, "What's wrong?" You know, and she goes, "Oh, my boyfriend. You know, he's not." He was out last night and he wasn't texting me back and you know and I was telling him like how upset I was and all these different things and I said okay by the way totally warranted I understand I get it 
But I said, just, I don't know. I'm just going to say something. It could work. I don't know. Just me being a guy. I know that if I was told, if I had my girlfriend and she said to me, you need to text me more. You need to do this. Part of me would be like, as like a, I'm like, hold on. I get that. Well, like, I, I kind of go, I kind of like, hold on. Uh, what are you saying that I should do and I should do this? And I, did and I said, try this. I said, say to him instead, even though you feel that way, say like, you know what? I love it when you, I love that when you text me. I remember that time when you text me. I love that so much. And as a man, I'm like, I am a man. I did something good. I will text you now and I will love you because I made you feel happy. I am man. Yes, yes, yes. Instead of being like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Then as a dude, I'm like, Whole, yeah, you push I against wait, but or you know. or just take a step back and think, okay, this guy, th like he's texting when he wants to text. If he's not texting me more, he doesn't want to. So accept the fact that this is who that guy is, and I, maybe it's not that that's not the guy for you, but you need this, and this is what he does. Because if someone said to me, "I want you to text me more," then I'd be like, "Oh, I got to start thinking of stuff to text," and then it's just going to be more like when really when I text and I say what I want, what I'm thinking, and what I want to say, and that's a little more genuine. So it's like. Yeah, right. you, don't, you don't want it to be obligation. But, but you want I, it to but be. I, but I also will say this though too. I will also say too that it's. I also don't think it's necessarily that they don't want to text. I know for me, I just, I'm just kind of oblivious sometimes. I'm just like doing things. I'm like this. I'm like here. I'm having a great day. I'm like, hey, babe. You know, she's like, right. you didn't text me today. So like, I, I was just living my life. This I didn't is where realize. I have a question for you guys because this is such a thing in so many relationships. Like. And I know it's bad, in quotes, to do, like, if he would just text me every day, I'd be happy. Because I won't be happy. No. I got to get my own whatever You don't want to be dependent on that. The question yeah. is, is there a way to say it makes me so happy when you text me, like you're saying? Or is there a way for me to just not be so needy for those texts to, like, fill me up so much? Well, and, and I think What do you I, want the text for? I, I think I don't know. It's, it's okay, not, the, I'll it's not that. the text you want the person. I want the text. Be oh, Brooks, you're gonna make me cry. Shit. It's okay. It's right. Go. It's okay. Here come the waterworks. It's okay. It's good. Oh, you're serious. By the way, this is actually <laughs> this is actually my natural state. This is, yeah. Honestly, this is my natural state. <laughs> are you not gonna start but crying this, too? Are you, Derek? No, I'm. I'm, I'm feeling okay. her. I feel it. I think. I think you want the text to know that everything is okay and that you're okay. Right. You know, yeah. That security so that you don't have to live in uncertainty. And so the uncertainty, uh, 100% is the fear, right? Because it's, yeah. And then here's the thing, though. We live, if we if we live in the plate of certainty where we know everything, where everything's going to, you know, be fine. And, you know, we, we unfortunately, um, it's painful because it, life is uncertain, right? Situations are uncertain. People are uncertain. Um but I think that I think with this in this situation, obviously, because you feel it tremendously. And there because was, I hate it. I hate so much yeah. that I have to live like that where somebody else has so much control. And I don't know how to find the certainty myself. And it happens over and over and over and over again. So I know it's me. It's not the other person. So, Amy, I think you should. I, I don't I don't know if I should give any advice on this or not, but like. You're an amazing person. Like, I would start with that. Like, you, you don't need whoever this guy is to text you or the next guy or the one before. Like, I, th I think it comes with being confident and really thoroughly happy and fulfilled with who you are as a person. 
And expectation is the mother of all disappointment. That's what they say, right? So if we're expecting somebody to make us whole, it could be a very long and very uncertain, as you said, D life. But you are, I love you. Like I've loved this project working on How Men Think because of you, because of Danielle, Tori Easton, like, I'm so, uh, Dimitri, like, I'm so I just grateful. texted Amy, by the way. Just, <laughs> yeah. I, check your phone. I just sent <laughs> yeah. you a text. But, like, you're, I, I think, and for anybody else listening that struggles with this, like, I think give yourself a pat on the back. Um, you don't need somebody else to fill your cup up to make you happy. And maybe look at that first. How can you, in the course of your day, make yourself completely happy irrelevant of anybody around you or circumstances around you. And you're such an amazing person. You give so much to so many people. And I don't know if you give yourself enough credit for that. And I think what with Derek said is because you have this expectation, it's like a, a, you're like a drug addict. So you're like, I need the drugs again. I need the drugs again. Mm-hmm. That you forget to even appreciate everything that, led up to well, it yeah. and that everything is fine and you don't need that text or that call or whatever it is that we're seeking to, yeah. to be secure it's it's accepting uncertainty and being okay with it and it's like oh man one of these years i'll accept it because i've been working at it for but you know what part of that too years. and tony robbins talks about this a lot where it's like you know where focus goes your energy flows yeah. wherever your focus is what you're going to feel no matter what it is and by the way it is it, you know somebody talking bad about you you heard somebody say, oh, by the way, so-and-so said something about you. You're like, what? I can't believe that. And you're feeling all these expressions, all these feelings, and that's very real. And then you realize, oh, they'd actually never said anything. But you experienced that very, very real. That was real because you were focusing on something that didn't even exist. That's so, right. So as a good example for this, again, going back to the focus on the appreciation part and not the expectation. Because for instance, say like you not, might not be getting something that you feel like you need, Right. Um, because at the end of the day, you don't, don't really need it at really. Like if you look kind of stop for a second, take stock and kind of like sit here and go, Hey, we're in a room right now. We got AC on, we're chilling here and just being super, super, super present. Everything's fine. Like in this exact moment, but what happened? We're projecting about like, well, what's happening? Where, where is he at? Where's she at? What's going on? Are they thinking about me? What's this? Da, da, da. And so I'm so like out here that my, all my focus is, is out here and I'm feeling all this pain when in reality, I'm sitting here and there's absolutely nothing to be fearful or painful. There should be nothing. We're chilling right here, right here. But when we start going here and projecting out in the future and what are they doing, all these things. So whatever you focus on so is what you feel. And I so change, change your focus, change it, change it all. Sarah Cup, I find yeah. you very soothing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you see? Right. Very, yeah. You see why I'm happy to have yeah. this guy as a brother? Why, this is phenomenal. Why do all huffs make me cry? <laughs> that is true. Oh, it's <laughs> but it's so true. It's, it's like not just the huffs. You <laughs> get so focused on all this uncertainty and what does it mean and what's going on and the pain and the angst and the this and the that that it's like, Nothing's even wrong. Nothing's probably even wrong. And why does a text or a call or someone else give us that, fill us up when it's like, chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, go ahead. Can I just, sorry, I just got, I have to paint a picture for everybody. There's no, Amy's sitting here in studio with a shirt that says, I love love sobbing. There's nothing, there's (laughs) nothing more heart wrenching than this right now. (laughs) Because I'm aware now that it's not the other person because there's been, a line of them. Well, I mean, true. Brooks has heard me say this same thing for years and years. 
And it's not the same guy each time. So it's not the guy. It's me. Right. You know, it's interesting, too, going back to the um, the being enough, being enough, feeling like you're enough. You know, that's, by the way, a fear that's universal. That's not just you or me. And that is like the entire population. One of the deepest fears is, am I enough? And that starts from being a kid, you know what I mean? And as we get older, and then it gets deeper, that groove gets deeper and deeper. And that's kind of, I feel like, what that fear is, is yeah. like, am I enough? Am I enough? And checking, am I enough? Does am I enough? like me enough? Am I enough? Am I, enough? Am I good or, enough? Yeah. Am I good enough to love? Am I good? Am I enough? And the truth is, and this is something that I kind of realized for me that helped me, because for me growing up, I was didn't think I was ever enough, ever. You know, I thought, oh, if I if I win, if I succeed, if I'm successful, then I'll be enough. And then I would win these competitions and I was like the world champion and then the day would finish and I was like, wow, I'm depressed. It's still not enough. It doesn't matter because it's not really about what we sort of achieve. It's about who we become, right? As people, that's sort of the main thing. But then it was that realization for me that if, if I was alone in a field, if you were alone in a field by yourself with nothing, no possessions, nothing, nothing, just you, that you are enough. You always have been, and you always will be, no matter what, no matter what, you are already enough. And just knowing that and reminding yourself of that, for me, is a, that's the foundation of where you can launch off and just conquer the world and do things. Instead of striving and, and chasing these small things to sort of you know validate, am I enough? Yeah, oh, I am enough. Okay, cool, for a moment. And then I go, oh, I'm, I'm not enough, enough. Oh, I got a text. I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. Oh, I got this thing. This I, I, I just want to. I'm enough, enough, and then it, then it's fleeting, because you're dependent on other things outside. You're out of your control to make you feel like you're enough. I, I love this, dude. I I think this is a bigger conversation. I want to dive more into this. Yeah. Man enough, woman enough. What is enough to an individual? And I want to get more of your story, but we got to take a break first. The, in, we'll get the inspiration, more the looks, the talent. You make me sick, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough, Dimitri. <laughs> Back from break, this is Brooks Like on How Men Think, and we're in studio with Dimitri, Amy, and my brother-in-law, Derek. And so far in the show, I think you guys have got a great taste of why I feel so fortunate to have this guy as my brother. I, I, don't, I don't even like saying brother-in-law, as my brother. brother. Uh, because of the, the amazing and immense positive influence he's been on me. But I want to get more into enough. Mm. And you talked a lot about it on your tour, the recent dance tour that you had, yeah. at which I which was freaking awesome, like a rock star freaking show. We can get more into that later. But um, enough as a man, as a woman in this world, how do you develop the ability to be or to feel like you are enough? Mm -hmm. So you said you would win. You won Dancing with the Stars six times. Mm -hmm. You would go home that evening celebrating the biggest possible high. And you told me you'd get to your house and the lights would be off and you'd get in and you you would feel terrible. Absolutely. I mean, often I would cry, honestly, because I was like, it just, it just, it was like as if it never happened, right? It just like you blink and it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like, does this even matter? What am I doing? Like, what's, 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 what's the meaning of all this? Like who, and then I got to a point where I was like, who cares? Like, there's no desire to even continue what I was doing. Um... So, and even at a certain point where I actually was like, wanted to just stop doing the show completely because I lost the meaning um, of, you know, of why, why, why am I doing this? Um, 
So I have a question for you. Yeah. So I I believe, and I'm guilty of this, I believe a lot of people, and anybody listening may resonate with this, we identify ourselves, our sense of identity comes through what we do professionally. Sure. I was a professional hockey player, right? That's who I was. My sense of identity came through what I did as a career. And I needed to figure out that my sense of identity wasn't what I did, but who I am as a man. But how did that happen? Because it sounds like you went through the same thing where your sense of identity came from, I'm a, I'm a world champion dancer, I'm dancing with the stars champion. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when that's gone, you're left with a vacancy of, well, who am I? Am I enough? Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you go through the process of, one, you became aware of it, then two, what did you do? Are there books you read? Are there things you listened to? Right. What did you do yes. to grow to where, didn't matter what happened, career or professional or anything else in life where you just felt like you were in a field by yourself and you were enough? Well, by the way, to add to that too, not just professionally, but also relationship-wise, I had a lot of heartbreaks where you know previous girlfriends, they broke up with me and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough success. It was all like superficial things too, by the way. It wasn't like, I'm not a good enough person. It was always like, I just don't have enough money. I don't, I don't have this. Like they want somebody that has boats and, and cars and houses and all these things, right? And I'm just, I'm a loser. Well, I, and actually it drove me to, for a while. That's powerful, powerful motivator. Powerful fuel. That. And I was like, well, crap. I got to like, to, to, to get love. It was almost like success equal love would would that equal then fulfillment and enough no no i mean i thought it did i thought it did i thought that success equal love if i'm just successful then i will be loved if i'm just achieving something then my even my family will love me by the way my family loved me but i would never even accept that love and especially in a relationship i was like oh i'm never going to be good enough for a relationship unless i'm successful and what i didn't realize was you know that sort of formula, success equal love, was a terrible formula. Terrible formula. Formula that you know you're wearing like I love love. Like love is love. Like if I if I love, if I just love and I love myself and I'm and as as kind of like hippy dippy as that sounds, of course you know. And but truly, without the achievements, without the the the, the practical things and, and the trophies or the money or the house or whatever it is. If I just like love who I am as a person, then man, I'm going to attract so much more. And it's, and it's so much different because it's, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's just, that's where you guys kind of messed up is because you had this successful career. And now you're like, does this define me or do I d- define myself? See, the secret is what I did. Don't be very good at anything. In this way, you're, there's nothing to define you except yourself. Right. You're like, I'm, I'm freaking awesome. Brother, don't be yeah. so hard on Listen, yourself. never great career, mediocre lover. I mean, this is it. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't have a lover. boat, but, you know, I can rent one, probably. By the way, don't buy a boat. Just rent one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Boats, are, boats are just money. I was going to borrow just, yours until you just told me you didn't have one. Oh, I don't have a boat. Hell oh, no. Great. There goes that. So, so yeah. Kate, well, so I want to give our listeners some practical things right, right. To for anybody out there that's not feeling enough. Because sure. clearly you went, and I watched this. We live together. I, I watched you go through a massive transition, which I'm so proud mm. of you for the work. You, you guys don't know. This guy works on himself daily. And I don't mean his career. I mean his his thoughts, his minds, his his 
process in life, his philosophy in life, he works on, you digest more information than almost anybody I've ever seen. You always have something motivational on. You're always watching this or learning this, or we have great discussions at the house. Yeah. You're super is, way deeper than, and I don't mean it's in a negative way, way deeper than I expected. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, you are very motivational and you started talking. I was like, oh, it's more than just it's more than fluff. Well, yeah, yeah like Ro- he, more than rhinestones and yeah. keeping heels. <laughs> right, because he, I see, I lived with him for almost four years. He digs into himself, and I give you credit for that. What are some mm. What are some sources that you that you find really powerful yeah. that you could share with our listeners? Where I read this and I watched this video, sure. or, or speakers that you really listen to. Well, any, any that, sources? That, and that was that's the thing too, by the way, that I got to a point so where I was in such a honestly a really dark place that I just kind of reached sort of a threshold of, you know, um, I must change. Mm-hmm. You're not like, oh, you know what? I should change. Like, I should do this. I should do that. I should work on myself. I should. It was like, no, 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 no. I must change. I must do this. I must. And it became more urgent. It became more of like a priority. And I would listen to, th- I listened to things on the daily, you know, on the way here, I listened to a YouTube video, whether it be like Les Brown or you know Tony Robbins. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. Obviously, I went to a seminar when I was 15 years old, actually, and stilled a few little nuggets. Um, forgot most of it, but just a few little things. <laughs> but as an adult, um, I'm, I'm so thankful for those for those like you know um, little skills. Um, but that that's the thing too. Going back to the focus, whatever you focus on is what you feel. It's especially with this day and age where we're con- we're trained to. Th- to think we're not enough on social media. Everybody's having these amazing lives and doing this and doing that. And oh my gosh, and they had the perfect relationship and all these things are happening. Uh, I don't have that. I, and you're focused on what you don't have instead of what you do have. And so I think it's really important to, to consciously, you know, say, Ooh, I'm going to watch something that's going to be, it's going to fill me up. I'm going to listen to something that's going to fill me up. It's going to put me in the place to, to create the right decisions and to make the right decisions and to be able to focus on the right things. Have you learned in all your like sort of study of this, why our default is to go to the negative? Like why, or, or is that just how I'm wired Connection. as opposed to somebody else? I think it's the way, I think we just connect. Like imagine like, you know, you see, you see, I've seen it a lot, at least, you know, with my sisters or, or people I'm dancing with, you know, somebody said, walks in and goes like, oh man, I'm so tired. I might not be tired, but I'm like, oh yeah, man, me too. Me too. Cause you're just like connecting. You want to connect yeah. with each other. Oh man, I'm just paying. And you connect yourself a lot of that way too with like sadness and all these different emotions. Right, like why do I go to the like, oh, I think we're it's, falling apart and he's going to leave me and this is bad. When all I really could just be well, doing with the same evidence that I have is I think we're good. Like everything's good. We're happy. Like why do it? Does my mind. I think it's, it's a defense too, because if you're here, if you're already down here, the fall is a lot less. If you're thinking everything's great and then there's the same fall, it's in your mind, it's you've just crashed from this euphoric place. There's also, I was reading this today. Um, there's a thing called loss aversion. Have you ever heard of loss aversion? No, but that mm-hmm. sounds like I have that. So they, they actually, I think that, uh, I think the guy's names were Tversky and uh, Kahneman, the guys that studied, don't quote me on that, but that's correct. Um, yeah. I'll look it up while you do <laughs> um, This is what it means is that the, a negative emotion is so much more powerful than a positive emotion. So essentially losing a hundred bucks at gambling is way more. In fact, they say twice as powerful as winning a hundred. You'll remember that loss, yes. but you won't remember the hundred dollars that you won. Yes. And it even, they even found that it happens. This loss aversion happens in kids. So a child, when looking at a parent with a happy face, 
they feel happy. When looking at a parent with a sad face, they feel sad. When looking at a parent with a neutral face, they feel sad. Because they're like, how come, how come he's not happy? So that means like almost two-thirds of our lives. Like if we have an engagement, Amy, if we, ha- we have a discussion, I don't leave you with a big smile on my face. You're probably thinking, if I just leave you neutral, you're like, what, what's wrong? What, what's wrong with this guy? It's, it's called loss aversion. But also I think to, to add to that, I think think about our brains, right? Think about our brains. They're sort of these pre- like ancient things, right? They've been thousands of years, whatever. It is. But it's, we're still running on the same software. And back then we had to look for danger. We had to look for the saber-toothed tiger or this and that, and we had to like look for the right berries that we didn't poison ourselves. We we had to be super vigilant. It was a survival mode to look for all the bad, dangerous things. We live in a day and age where we don't have to worry about saber-toothed tigers jumping out and all these things. Our lives are pretty pretty easy in that sense, but our brains are still in the same software, so we're looking for the bad things. We're looking for the person saying something about us or not giving us this sort of validation. We're looking for all the bad and the negative, right? Because we're running on the old software, so it's sort of that that our brain isn't designed to make us happy. It's designed to make us survive, yes. and it's designed to look for all the bad things. So we have to sort of get out of our heads and like into sort of like our bodies and our hearts. And it's funny actually because Julianne's working a lot on this like movement sort of thing, and and you know, um, but Kinergy, Kinergy, I'll throw it out there. There's a plug. Go to Kinergy.com. You're welcome, love. <laughs> At Kinergy on Instagram. I'm following yeah, it on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> but, it's, but it's interesting. And then you realize that your brain is it's just in survival mode, essentially, and looking for all the wrong things and the bad things. And that's kind of what we go to these, uh, these sort of defaults of like bad, bad, It's like what negative. Dimitri said about the fall being lower if you're prepared for something bad. But what I want is to just go, I'll, I'll just take the fall from the high dive and be happy for as long as I can. But are you happy or are you thinking about the fall from the high dive? Like, are you up there thinking, hey, I'm happy, or are you thinking, I'm happy, but... At any moment, it's all going to be taken from me. Well, I'd like to say I want to not go to the dark place and know that I can survive the fall from the high dive. So just stay in the light. You know what I mean? And You know can that- survive the fall from the high dive. You can. So it's not a question of can I. You can. And you will whenever you do fall. So I think think of it more um, that way in the sense of when I fall, I will survive. Not can I and not will it come. Yes, you're going to have a fall from the high dive. No one stays on the high dive. worrying and protecting myself so much from things that don't even exist. But also, too, it's the timing of it, too. I always find this interesting, too, the timing of the way we allow ourselves to feel a certain way. And at least for me, I'm trying to work on that myself personally, you know, where something happens to me. It just recently happened, actually. I don't know if you noticed, but when we were at the lake, I was kind of in give, my yeah, head. Give an example. I was in my head a little bit because there's been some issues at my house, you know, and crazy neighbor, and I just was dwelling in this place of, honestly, of, like, rage and compassion and confusion and all these things. I was like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> but what happens, it's like shortening that, which is, I mean, conscious, be like, okay, I'm going to feel this, honor those emotions. Okay, I feel this. This sucks. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Now it's time to change and get out of this and go into my, you know, go somewhere else yeah, with this. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Instead of like, and, and giving yourself sort of like a, almost like a honor the emotions. Don't ever stuff them. Don't ever like ignore them, feel them. Even for me, like I used to think anger was like a weak, a weak emotion. I never wanted to be angry and I didn't like seeing people angry. I thought that they were like, like not good people. Yeah. And I realized that I was stuffing a lot of anger I had. And I actually worked on myself a lot. I did with this whole thing. And I actually released a lot of anger in a healthy way. 
in a good way and whether it be like listening to certain music and whatever it might be. But, I love um, that. I love that. That's you being angry. Yeah, I listen to music that I don't normally listen to. Well, no, but like I mean, like you know, <laughs> you're like, rage, rage against the machine. You know, Talk Slipknot. Slipknot. I'm just kidding, yeah. yeah. So I have a question on that. So let's say you're getting anxious or worried, like, oh, he's not connecting with me. You say yes. It's scary to be vulnerable, and it is scary, but acknowledge it, and then say, okay, and then now I'm gonna. Be appreciative of how lucky I am that I will change your, change the love focus. Someone or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And just change the focus and start to, to sort of focus on all the things. Like uh, gratitude is sort of like the antidote to fear. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Very well said. Jeez. Gratitude is the antidote to fear. You start immediately. You start feeling fearful of something. Which, by the way, when we say we're stressed, we're fearful. When we're saying we're having anxiety, we're fearful of something. It's just fear, right? At the bottom line of it. So if you start getting gra- grateful. That's the antidote. You go, oh, you know what? Wow, what? I have great friends. I'm I'm hanging out with these amazing dudes and these amazing ladies, and and we, wow, with sun's out today, and I'm like, I'm gonna put some songs. You know what? I'm I'm in a car. I'm driving somewhere, like the little things, and you start stacking this feeling of gratitude, and all of a sudden, like the the, the fear starts to dissipate, mm-hmm. and it's just, a, and honestly, it's a technique. It's like practice. It's not just like a a thought. Like, okay, cool, that's a cool concept, and then like, then that's it. Right. It's like just like working out your physical muscle. You got to work on your emotional muscle every day, consistent, you know, every single day. I got to work on my emotional muscle. I got to practice. I got to do these things. And that's what's really important, I feel. And I, I notice when I start to slip, when I start, to, when my emotional muscles start to get a little bit like atrophy. Yeah, <laughs> atrophy. Yeah. You so mean I, like me right now? I'm hardly slipping. I can, no. <laughs> I can, I can exactly attest to what he's saying. So the, he, he nailed it. And a way to feel more confident or comfortable about yourself in ISIS is to feel grateful for the opportunity. So great gratitude for the op- whatever opportunity, the opportunity to, to engage with somebody, all these little things you talk about, driving a car, sun's out, the opportunity to do this podcast, whatever. Gratitude for the opportunity removes all kinds of self-doubt and fear uncertainty expectation yeah you you just live you're actually a lot more present and a lot more composed uh, but i also want to get into what you said amy what you talked about about the fall from the top will i survive that well here's my story from the time of 13 until the age of 35 i pursued winning a stanley cup that was my whole every decision every single decision in the course of my day revolved around what was going to make me a better hockey player training diet nutrition sleep everything from the age of 13 to win a stanley cup and i didn't win it that's a to me that's a massive failure like i look at that like i almost look at my career as wow that's a my career might have been a huge failure even though i played in the nhl for 13 years i played three times longer than the average career um so I'm left and I went through this. You were with you were at the house there when I when I was done playing hockey. I went through a stage of like and I'm still going through it. I'll be completely vulnerable and honest. I'm not completely at peace with it, but am I enough because of all of the 22 years that I deem a failure? Like oh not not a total failure, but when I my good days, I'm looking at man, I lived the life, the greatest life I ever played hockey. I did at 35 what I did when I was 5. Like, how great is that? Like, I played a game my entire life. What a blessing. Those are my good days. I look at the opportunity that I had. The bad days, I look at, damn it, I didn't win a Stanley Cup. I want to I 
fight somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and I, I get pissed off at the people that were in the game that might have had an involvement in me being traded and this and that. And I look at, I blame stuff mm -hmm. versus being grateful for every single day that I had to express myself through playing the sport that I loved. Gets so angry he wants to listen to bad music. Yeah. Not so, bad music. Uh, amazing oh, music. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, right, yeah. So what do you but, do? Just tap in. So that's and do you I, think that'll just be forever, that you'll have days where you feel that? Uh, certainly, I think there's always going to be some part of me that will always feel that vacancy. Um, but I wanted to ask you this, mm -hmm. because you've had the successes and didn't feel enough. What about somebody that's had a massive not setback, but a massive um, loss or didn't have the success, mm -hmm. how do how do I feel enough on well, the daily? Well, for me, like listening to you say that, and, and it's, it's actually interesting because to be completely honest, Brooks, I never really saw that vulnerable part in Brooks after he, you know, stopped playing hockey um, professionally. And it's it was actually been really interesting to me to hear you know what I mean? It? Did you hear you say it and yeah. out loud? And it, for me, it actually like it kicks me with a lot. But what's interesting about that? I think it's because at a young age we we go uh, okay, Derek. For me, at least, it's like you're gonna be you want to be a world champion. You know, this is what you're gonna do. And so we equate like that to being like the definition of who you are. of who of of who I am and what successful and what success is. But what's interesting for me, when I even just me on an outsider look looking in, mm -hmm. you know, at your career, for instance, you know, I think of like, oh, you scored a, like a hat trick. How many people have done that in their whole entire career? Not very many, like percentage wise. That's unbelievable. Not only that, you were beloved by, you know, all the stories about you from fans from the city were like, wow, you know, there was a time when Brooks, you know, uh, they won this big game and he was uh, driving home in the rain and he pulled everywhere's partying oh, and doing we, all these things. We lost that game. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Makes the story Oops. better though. <laughs> he lost, okay, he lost the game and people are, people are, you know, they're doing the, it's raining and he stops over on the shoulder and helps this lady. I think she was pregnant, right? No, she had a little, uh, she had a daughter with her. A just, daughter yeah. cha helped change her tire, all these different things. And like the city like knew him as this great guy, great man. And by no means do I look at, at least for me looking in and looking at sort of a piece of hardware, you know, mm -hmm. that's the thing for me. Like when I go home and I look at, because it's not about what you achieve, it's about who you become. Mm -hmm. It's about who you become as a man, as, as yeah. a person. And so when I would go home and I'm looking at these Emmy Awards and I'm looking at the hardware, right, in this sort of lonely room, I'm by myself and I'm like, crying because I'm like wow this sucks because I've achieved the ultimate and what I thought was the ultimate now what it does nothing yeah. it's now like, what it's like Tony says success without fulfillment it's is the, the ultimate, ultimate failure. failure exactly so achieving achieving per, uh, professional success without any sort of happiness or fulfillment is the ultimate failure and you see many people um, that are millionaires billionaires very successful people uh, some unfortunately commit suicide yeah some have substance abuse problems Absolutely. or marriage problems uh, they don't live a fulfilled life because they're not balanced because also too it's about me achieving this right it's about I me it's about me it's about I need to do this da, da, da. And then when I realized, I was like, in that moment, I was like, man, I ain't got to like, I want to, I want to give a little bit more. I need to serve a little bit more. I need to make this less about me and more about we. And, you know, 
for me personally, seeing you know the growth and the sort of the development and and uh, for at least personally for me, that has been the most rewarding and fulfilling aspect sort of of my life, and uh, not the sort of the hardware and the trophies it's so and those interesting things. To hear you guys talk about your careers and the fulfillment it brings, and I don't know if this is a woman thing versus a man thing, because I've achieved a lot in my career, and it's great, and I've failed a lot in my career. And it's great. Like, it's very, on a scale of 1 to 10, they both kind of hover right sort of close together. But in my relationships, they're so much more impactful. And they mean so much more. And the losses are so hard. And the good moments are such a high that I think it's so fascinating. Because it's like, for me, eh, oh, great. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not that I take it for granted or I don't appreciate it. It just hovers. The failures and the successes are real close together and they all sort of ebb and flow and it's all good. And I have absolute total security and faith in it. And I would love to be able to translate that piece to relationships, whether I succeed or fail. That's awesome, Amy. Uh, I want to dig more into that right after this break. Okay, further in this conversation, let's get more into that, Amy, how you mentioned that a loss in your in your professional career does not the emotional toll it takes on you is not even close to a loss or even uncertainty in your in your personal life. So I think I don't know if it's a male or female thing and I want to open this up to you guys to discuss that, but I think the what Derek and I are talking about how uh, the professional thing makes us not feel enough. I think it's the same emotion at the base of your emotion in the relationship. It's just yours. It's just a different form. Yours is relationship. Ours is maybe career. But what do you guys think on this? And I don't think it's necessarily male, female. I think that it's just basic. I think that in our just particular cases, we just were were brought up competitive in that sort of environment where it was like winning equals you know, love yeah, for me. Some, for some people, like that, in what like, you, a competitive sort of environment, yeah. What you guys do, some people may grow up and think, you know what, I want to have a family and I want to be a great dad. And that's that's where they put their pressure. So, yeah, And that, yeah. that's their ultimate goal. Do yeah. men feel that? Somewhat. Truly. Yeah. Because I find a lot of men determine so much based on their success in their career. I'll, I'll touch on this. My, and I've voiced it many times before, people that know me know me very well. My greatest destiny in life, the most important thing to me is to be a great man, a great husband, and a great father. That's that's my greatest, if I could, that's my greatest destiny. That's what's most important to me. At the root of it, at the root of the purpose of my life, that's what I want to be. I want to be an impactful man, husband, and father, friend, family member, all of that too. But I want to be a very good man. And I always have a concept of a better man than I am about six months out from me that I'm working towards. And you do this a lot. Do you personally grow and challenge yourself? And you have a partner that challenges you to grow as well. So that for me, even though I've been looked at a lot for my career as a professional athlete, um, most important to me is family. And Dimitri, I'm sure you can attest to this as well. Yeah, I've been married 15 years and I have four kids and... um all I ever wanted to be was a hockey player. No, <laughs> um, no and, and to me, it's like, yeah, I didn't have that. I, for those of you that don't know, I'm not a professional athlete, uh, and I don't have any mirror ball trophies or Emmys. But um, growing up, it was like, yeah, I wanted to do certain things. But in the back of my mind, maybe it was from – I have a very close family. 
and and maybe it was from seeing my dad and 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 having the closest with my siblings. I was like, that's that was my goal. Is like I want to have I want to have a family. I want to have kid multiple kids that that get together like I do with my brothers and sisters. And so that was kind of that was always one of the bright things, one of the things that I held up there as something for success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you were you're you're talking in the break about a situation that might have happened when you were younger. Yeah. So and I was just I was curious what that was about. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna get me to open up. Damn you, Derek. He's <laughs> a can opener. Oh my god. He's <laughs> a can opener. Yes. Derek, the I'm like, can I'm like opener. One, I'm like one big oh. thing of Hawaiian punch over here. <laughs> um so it, you made me think of it. I had something happen recently that um, it started when it was when I was eight years old. I had something happen, and I'll get into it in a minute. But I, my entire life, I've seen it one way, and something happened recently that made that made me see the other. Something that I missed, something that I could have used um, in brightness. So, like I said, I have a very close family, and when I was eight, I had a brother that passed away. Um, he was fifteen, and he had been sick um, from when he was born. But um, so when I was eight and he was 15, he um, he passed away. And that whole day, um, I guess he was asking when I was coming home from school. I was in third grade. So I came home from school and I was reading a book in the, in the same room as him. And um, as I was, it was James and the Giant Peach. And as I was reading this book, at that moment, I happened to stop and I looked up and I saw him pass away. And so in my mind, the part of the book that I was in, obviously, is a terrible experience, especially for an eight-year-old. Doesn't matter what age, so that's always stuck with me. But in, I always remembered in that book, I was at the point where um, the sharks were biting at the peach, mm. so the sharks were taking big chunks out of the peach, and I thought, God, that's, that's so that's such a negative thing, and that's the thing that's always been there with me. Mm. Um, and so I closed the book and I never read it again. And then when I was um, in college, I came across the book, and I picked up the book and I opened it up just flipped it open and I happened to open up to that exact page and I saw the sharks biting the peach and I thought, all right, well, that's enough of that. Put the book away. And, you know, so my, in my mind, although that was obviously a negative experience, that's also been something that I've held in my life as something that has pushed me through things because nothing is going to, like, nothing's going to phase me. Like, no one's going to make a comment about me, about me not being funny or me not being whatever, that's going to trump the things that I've gone through in my life. So I, I can shrug off a lot of stuff in life. Um, but recently, so my daughter, um, after school, I was like, all right, clean out your backpacks and everything. This is at the end of the year. Um, and she didn't do it. And so in the summer, I was like, hey, clean out your backpack and don't leave it there. Put everything away. And so she did, but then she left it there. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I said, don't leave it there. So I went and I picked up the... There's a paper or two, and then I found in that pile was James and the Giant Peach. So I opened up the book again. And while I didn't open up to the page this time, I just opened up to a different page, I did flip to, I found the the page with the picture that I always remember that. And that was on the right side. And so this this is what, long story short, this is what made me think of this. You're saying there's take the bright stuff and not the negative stuff. So that picture is on the right side of the page. If you look at the left side, which is what I was reading, the words are actually, and then suddenly but slowly, majestically, like some fabulous golden balloon, with all the seagulls straining at the strings above, the giant peach rose up, dripping out of the water, and began began climbing towards the heavens. So it says, in a flash, everybody was up on top. Oh, isn't it beautiful, they cried. What a marvelous feeling. Goodbye, sharks. So that's what I was reading while that was happening. And, And I missed it. And I never... 
And instead, I just shut down emotionally, and I never went back to look because I thought, oh, it's that picture. That book is that picture. And so I know. But, and it's not that it would have changed the overall picture. And I think I've done pretty good over the last, you know, 36 years or whatever. But it's like, I went back and I was like, oh, there's a lesson that I missed because I was so blinded by this. Oh, this is the, this is the negative thing that I take from this. And I just missed a completely positive thing that was actually literally speaking to me at that moment. Well, man, first of all, thanks for sharing that. That was a beautiful and powerful story, man. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing, buddy. Really, really amazing. And you know, it's Amy's going to cut it out. No, no. (laughs) But you know what? That was such a good example too, about how important meaning is. Mm -hmm the meaning that we give things in this life. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, what we, that's what we always have the choice. That's our gift, right? That's the one gift we're given is the, the power of choice. We always, have the, we always have that power to choose what something can mean, mm. what something can, you know what I mean? And so for this, it's a perfect example of how it could easily mean structure taking something and it's quite, you know, violent almost, to it being, wow, it's actually funny. The sharks actually released released the peach from the seas into the heavens and actually was the catalyst for their freedom, mm-hmm. almost. Um, and like, what a different meaning. And how beautiful, what a, how, how it came around beautifully. And I think that that's the thing, too, is that we have the choice of how we can look at certain situations and what they might mean to us, you know. And, you know, Amy Purdy, you know, I danced yeah, with her. Yeah, of course. Um, I love her. Paralympian. She lost her two legs at age at 19 years old and she's an incredible sort of inspiration because she when she at 19 by the way you're a 19 year old girl and you you know you're a 19 year old girl right. you lose your legs I cannot and, imagine un- unbelievable and she while she's in the operating room looking up at the fluorescent light says I'm going to snowboard in a year mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself I'm going to do all these things like she made this choice mm-hmm. she decided she goes this isn't the end of me this is the beginning of me She's like, I don't, it's not that I don't have legs. I have prosthetic legs. She's changing that language. Yeah. Not that what I don't have, I have prosthetics. And also the meaning of like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this into something where I'm going to actually do good for others. I'm going to help. I'm going to do open this sort of adaptive sport, you know, company. And it's the idea of like, you know, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And if you find those, whatever you focus on, right, it's like, what are you looking at? And um, whatever the meaning you give something is what you're going to feel um, but man, yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. That's, that was, that was, that was I mean, I feel the same story. way. I don't think it was a coincidence that Derek is here today. I think it was meant to be, you know, I think you have so many powerful things to share. And I love, I mean, we've known each other such a long time and I love you so much because there is so much more to Derek and Julianne than being the best dancers in the world. That's not, I don't even think of either of you as, as that. There's so much to who you are, and I appreciate you both. I mean, I love you too, Brooks, but... <laughs> I'm not looking for any... Brooks, you were raising your hand. Looking you held up my... a sign that says, I'm what totally... about me? <laughs> but I love how open you both are and how much you... It is, it's, it's about more to you. There's more. But not, but not professionally. You are like an... Right. You're absolutely correct, but more fulfillment, more yeah. joy... I will say this about Julianne and Derek. I've spent a lot of time with both of you guys, obviously. They search daily and seek, like go on an assault daily for the greatest quality of life. Not the greatest achievements, but the greatest quality of life. And they are not willing to tolerate things that don't add 
to the greatest quality, the greatest emotions of their life. And I've seen a massive change in you in the last year and a half on not looking for any sort of external anything and just looking internally and saying, I'm going to have the best day ever because I'm going to make it the best. Regardless what happens outside of me or circumstances, influences on me, that doesn't control my choices, how I show up in this world and how, who I am as a man. And our relationship has really grown. Yeah. Real, and it's funny you mentioned the shark thing, Dimitri. In in a week, Derek and I go to do some great white shark diving well, in yes. Guadalupe Island. Derek's face. <laughs> don't don't Derek's, bring a sack of peaches with you. Yo. Don't bring some peaches. Derek's face didn't look exactly like yours. Brooks had this big <laughs> smile, and Derek was like, "I'm excited." No, I'm 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 actually super excited. Uh, that's what actually one thing with Brooks and I, which has been awesome, because we've you know we have similar interests. We love adventure, and we love you know just that that sort of. Adrenal, that adrenal. Yeah. We love it, man. We love it. We love it. You know, just one little thing real fast too, because uh, I don't want to dive because this is a whole like other topic and subject, but especially with men in general, just you know how men think that shame mm. is, I would say, probably one of the most just um, poisonous emo- poisonous emotions that men experience, and unfortunately, experience often. And which has led to a lot of unfortunate, you know, suicides and things like that. And the, and especially, and it's continuing to grow. But it's that idea again, going back to the shame and it not being enough, and and doing certain things and equating sort of like, you know, because the difference between being guilt, feeling guilty, is like, oh, I did something bad. You know, feeling shameful is I am something mm. bad. And when you believe that you are bad, you, it's a it's a terrible terrible spiral. And, you know, when we see, at least for me, when I see people struggling or myself, if I'm struggling with something and um, on a deep level um, and or maybe even do something bad, you know, that I'm not proud of or whatever it might be, sort of just to, there's a, there's a, there's a phrase that I just love that really spoke um, to me when I heard it. And it's, we're not bad people trying to be good. We're wounded people trying to heal. Because really those decisions that we've made and those choices that we made don't just happen. They've come from something that has possibly wounded us in the past or traumatized us in the past in some way that shaped us and to make this sort of decision perhaps, you know. And to remind ourselves that like I'm not bad. I might have done something bad, but I'm not bad. I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm still who I am. I'm still me. Um, and you can always recover from that. You know what I mean? You can always overcome and uh, just for any guys who are out there, you know, listening, that if you do feel that shame, just remember that, that, you know, that that you are not bad. You are not bad. Um, anyways. I, I, I can touch on something very similar to that. I learned this through hockey. I'd come back to the bench and a coach would just be in my ear, just giving it to me in my ear. And what I had to learn because of a mistake I made or a play I made that he didn't like and what I had to learn uh, over the course of my career was it wasn't that the coach didn't love me. He just didn't love that act. So, and that applies in a relationship too. Like maybe my wife does something or something and I, it really frustrates me. It's not that I don't love her. It's that I just don't like that act or that behavior. So we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. There's things that I'm going to do, make a mistake here. Whoops. It's not that I'm a, like you said, I'm not a bad person. Just maybe that behavior there was improper and to learn and to grow from that. So anybody feeling shame who they are or not enough. um, I love this discussion. I love this topic of, of just opening this up a place for men 
to discuss this, or, or women too, but also for men to to voice these concerns. You and I have talked a lot about this, and to have somebody in your life, whoever it is, if you're going through this, pull somebody in. Friends are here to help you. Family is here to help you. If you're struggling with something or not feeling this, share this podcast with them. Have a listen to it with them. Pull somebody in and and open up the discussion. And I think you'll see that that guy or girl that you're talking to has many of the same emotions and feelings that you do. So I have a question for you guys before we have to go that kind of is like something that weighs on me a lot, especially in a relationship, but you could apply it to everything. Should we ask for what we need, however we ask for it? You guys kind of dove into that a little bit earlier. Or should we find a way to not need so much from, from someone else and find it in ourselves? And how do you make that decision? I think, I mean, because that's the thing too, because to to be completely honest, I was sort of taught, the sort of first phase in my sort of uh, learning about relationships uh, lesson was always like, no, just tell your significant other what you want, what you need, communicate, right? That's like healthy. Tell them what you want, tell them what you need, communicate, communicate. That's healthy. That's good. That's good. I think that yes, that it can be beneficial, and of course, and it's it is good to communicate absolutely. But I also think that you can actually pull it out of somebody without actually having to ask them. I think there is a way of doing that as well. I think that's also by you giving, by you um, loving, even like loving yourself, and you being in a certain energy, you're in a certain space that it will draw that person you know, to do those acts, to do those certain things in a certain way. And and by the way, if it doesn't, then maybe it's not the right match. I think you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Perhaps. I think, um, and that's the thing. I think, but then of course, if I'm completely honest as well, you know, when you talk about like love languages and the whole thing, of course, uh, I, you know, I, I'm words of affirmation. I, I like to hear, I love you, you know. I love you, dude. I love you, Derek. Thank I'll you, love, guys. I love, I love you, man. Too. I love you, too. <laughs> like, I, I like to hear it. Look at the smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel so well. I feel so good. Maybe it's so just good. a combination. Yeah. Well, and by the way, my girlfriend, she just needs to, she's touched. So I, by me just like holding, touching her hand or her shoulder tells her that I love her. I'm like, yo, I need to hear the words. You know what I mean? Like, um, That's like Ryan. Hey, that's yeah. like Ryan on oh, here. He said he wanted gifts. Yeah, oh, yeah. and words of <laughs> a- gifts and words of affirmation. All the gifts. Yeah, he wants like a juicer and to say that Poor she loves Ryan's him. Ryan's laid up in a hospital bed, and we're just like that guy. Um, um, I think it's both, Amy. I, I yeah, think it's exactly I think it's what he said. So I think too. I think if you are so fulfilled and happy in who you are, you're going to attract that energy out of a person. And exactly like and he said, needs so much less. Yeah, and if they don't gravitate to you in your best state, they're probably not your person. Because also, too, by the way, think about it. That's sort of a trade. It becomes a trade. If you think about it, right? It becomes a trade. Okay, if you give me this, then I'll give you this. Okay, I just need to feel this way, then I'll feel that way. And so you're just constantly... you just tra- starts to get yucky. Well, you're yeah. just trading. You're just trading things. And by the way, without being sort of like harsh or brash, but like what else is there that whether you trade somebody for love, essentially? What is that? I don't love that. No, but I you know what I'm like saying, it. right? Yeah. So the idea, the idea, by the way, for me, at least that's what I did... Um, I don't. By the way, continually to do. I'm not saying like I'm perfect by any means at all. Um, yeah, yeah, you're a real wreck. No, but like, trust. <laughs> listen, trust me, man. I mean, there. You know, um, we could do another episode. We could go into some other stuff. But um, but at least like I, I just know I have I have far more success 
with just focusing on what I can give, yeah. what I can do. That's just, there's, I have more success in that place and that there's more that's come from that than me thinking like, well, if they just did this, then I can do that. I agree. That's all. Yeah. I got to, so that leads perfectly. D, you just teed me up perfectly. Um, I have a question that I, I've wanted to ask you, but I also want to ask you, Dimitri and Amy, um, and trying to just keep, we've been, we've had you here for like an hour and a half already, so I don't want to keep you much longer, but I'm curious uh, on everything we touched on today about being enough on six time dance with the stars, two Emmys. I mean, all the success money on NBC, all this kind of stuff. What do you think is your greatest success? Not your biggest, not your most publicly celebrated, like the one that means the most to you. And it doesn't have to be professionally. I just mean in your life, what do you believe is your greatest success? Um, I mean, honestly, you know, if I, if I'm on a, just on a personal level, I think that, you know, I made a, a distinct choice um, about, you know, a while ago to basically change my identity, you know, my, 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 my sort of, uh, of who, who I, to sort of be, start to be congruent with what I knew was right and living that instead of knowing what, what I was right for me and maybe saying the things, but not really living by those things. Um, so for me, that was a moment where I felt really sort of like, I, I, it's hard to explain, like in myself, like, like, like grounded, like present, like centered, centered because I was like, I'm actually doing and living the things that I, I feel like are aligned with who I want to be and what I want to do instead of just saying it and then, and not, you know, um, that was, that's been a huge achievement for me personally, privately, um, but yeah, I think I think I, that I, was be that was a big that's a bit a big one for me. So knowing you and having spent a lot of time with you, I I have seen that shift in you. I believe I know somewhat what you're talking about. I've seen that shift with you. And when we first met, I somewhat had to I I felt like I worried about you a little bit on certain things and I haven't had any of that. Like I've I'm so proud and I I was so fortunate that I got to witness a transition in you and the growth in you and so proud of the man who you've become and who you are not what you do. And I tell Jules the same thing. I don't give a damn if you're on NBC, if you're on a show or like, I, I don't care if you're a school teacher. I don't care what you do. I care who you are. Sure. And Thanks, I've, I love who you are. And that's why I believe our relationship has blossomed even more. Uh, and now if I'm doing anything, anything, you're one of my first phone calls. Yeah. Me too, man. You too, brother. You're going to be one of mine too now after this. <laughs> Let's do it, man. I, yeah. This has been, no, honestly, this has been a pleasure, man. I've, I've really enjoyed this and I, uh, I love it, man. Thank you guys for having me. Dimitri, yeah, you, can you, you got five more minutes? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Dimitri, well, he said I want to say and he's out the door. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's like, peace. Uh, I got, uh, we'll get you valet. Or what is it? We'll, we'll get you validated. Yeah, don't worry about your parking. Um, Dimitri. <laughs> he's like, if I go over this hour, it's going to be an extra $8. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about don't it. Worry. Maybe. I got to put change to my meter. <laughs> Dimitri, what would you say is your greatest success? Um... Well, obviously, we've talked about this before. I'm very proud of my family, so that. But if I were to move past that, I think that um, I think that I'm very aware of other people, and I think I'm very aware of other people's feelings, and I think that makes me a pretty decent um, friend. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm a pretty good person that I try and be there for people, and I listen to them, and I think I. Kind of, uh, I think I provide them, you know, what they need in a friendship, and I think it's not something that I do 
just for them. It obviously makes me feel good, but I think I'm aware of when people may be uncomfortable or people may be going through a hard time or need someone to talk to. And I think I, I think I have the ability to, um, to address that and to, and to be there for people. And I think that's, I'm pretty proud of that. Awesome, man. Yeah. As, as knowing you as a friend now, I'll completely attest to that. You are everything you just said. That's awesome. I, I commend you. Remember, I sent you the email. I said, I think Derek needs to talk. Should we bring him in? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amy? Oh, no one cares about my successes. You're, you're, people you're listening. not even looking at me. You're like, people oh, listening are like, oh, she has talked so much. No, to not me. at all. No, Amy. My greatest success is not achieved yet. I mean, I honestly mean it when I'm saying I will feel content. I don't want to use the word happy because happy <laughs> is such a sort of, I will feel content when I do not call you Brooks and say, why did he not text me? <laughs> like truly, I know it sounds so dumb, yeah. but I, no, I get it. hate the fulfillment and like the hit I get from that, mm -hmm. that I want to not need that from someone else, that somebody else does not determine. Ugh. Yeah. It's making me cry. But by the so, way, but by the way, somebody else is not determined if I'm happy or not. But by the way, and did you notice? By the way, just just keep, just watching you and the body, your body language and, and the whole thing of how obviously when you start to talk about it, you know, again, it's like it becomes very real. The focus is all right there, and it's like and it becomes super real. And we feel that you feel it, and even now you're, sh you're closing your arms, <laughs> your shoulders are shrugged. You know, what I mean, you're physically even feeling it too. Because I hate it. I. Hate Hate it. Right. I, I I understand that. But I think just 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 uh, just had a, just for fun. <laughs> try just try this. Like please please show this back. Breathe deep. Open your arms like this. Open them up like this. <laughs> open them. Come on. Open them. Yes. Yeah. Shit. Yes. What's that shirt? Love is love. Love I is love, love, baby. Love is love. It and all is well. All is well. It really is. And I I I honestly am thankful for you being so open and vulnerable and courageous, right? Um, to even spar spur this conversation. Um, with your sort of with whatever you're going through at the moment, you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, you're good, babe. You said you haven't. So, you said you haven't reached your um, achieved your greatest success. So until then, can we just call this podcast your greatest success? Yeah. We started <laughs> hitting our numbers. Together. Share yeah. this with your friends, and we hit our numbers. So this is greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Amy's greatest success. Yeah. Okay, Amy, I'm not. Derek, can uh, you Instagram uh, about this show? Yes, yes. I'm not going to yeah. let you off the hook here, Amy. And what goes to what Derek? Uh, talked about before where the focus goes the energy flows so i asked you your greatest success you said something that that um, wasn't what what is something you are extremely proud of that is a great success in I your life i would say it is in line with derek in that i've had a million successes at work and a million you know all that stuff yeah. i think it's figuring out who you really are and what you really want and feeling at peace i don't need that high high because i don't like feeling bad it's just feeling content but is that something you've you've done no i'm working on it Listen. my i want to touch on mine for a sec because i want people to hear this so i hope they can do it in their lives my greatest success in my blight in my life i believe is following my instincts mm. so every single day of my life i have gravitated and done what i want when i want how i want doesn't mean i've always got the result i wanted but I have followed whatever instinct I've had, I've followed and created the life that I want. So I never let fear or struggle or obstacle or uncertainty or anything overcome me. I always pursued the life that I want and continue to have the choice and choose every day what I want. And for myself, I, I hope 
I, that's my life's mission. I want, I always say my life's mission is to help inspire people to create the white life that they want. Know that you have the power to create the life that you want. Mm-hmm. That has been my greatest success. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So, this has been freaking awesome. Ooh. Yeah. This has been awesome. Um, what you got, Dimitri? I, I feel like you're wrapping it up. And, and you remember I said I'm aware of what people think and what people want. It's... Uh, I know that I'm going to get ridiculed if I let this session end without at least bringing up, apologize in advance, was it weird, Derek, for you to hear the, either the podcast or see the headlines that says that Brooks likes to suck Julianne's toes? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I can't Actually, have you two in the okay, same room right, and not. Right. What a, okay. So, first of all, first <laughs> oh, of all, I will say this. I will say this. I would not have probably seen that. In, like, my friend like forwarded it to me. He's like, yo, what is this <laughs> try it play around a little no, no. <laughs> listen let me again again let me just go into this it's it's kind of weird because it does it didn't even phase me my response was like hey man gotta give him credit for just being out there like yeah. like I, I was like i wouldn't personally be like but like, you gotta give him credit for that um yeah so it and also, like I lived with him for three years, yeah. so I see there's a lot of PDA said, that goes on. Wait, was that public displays? So, but private, private displays of private displays of affection. I, I, I was aware, I, I would leave the room promptly, yeah. but I was also, I, you know, it, no, it was fine. Hey, well, it's Whatever. not. It's, it's it's not like it hey, goes on every by single the way, day. By the way, where focus goes, energy flows. So my focus changed quickly. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, there it is, and. Bye. Well, erase from my brain. Erase D- from Dimitri, my brain. thank you so much, Dimitri, for bringing that up. It's a pleasure. <laughs> really appreciate you, hey, buddy. By the way, you know it's uh, it's funny. I have to say too, even just with with Jules, um, you know we are we are like super close. We're like best friends. We you know we were we have such a great relationship. And it's funny for me like seeing certain things that might happen or say or whatever that that she does, and I know her so well that it's like. It's it's funny because I I can see some people's reactions to certain things, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's just because it's just articulated differently. And if you need translation, feel free to ask me. I'll tell you exactly. <laughs> yeah. what, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what she meant by oh, I know what she said about. or she did. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll I'll translate it for you. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about yeah. there. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's go. Move on. Well, uh, dude, I want to commend you. Uh, one, I just want to say thank you for coming in today. Yeah, man. That's thank been you awesome. So Thanks, guys. Um, but I also want to commend you just for so much of your life. People look at you for your successes, but I see you as somebody that has a gift, and I truly mean this, a gift to impact and inspire others. And I've seen that y- y- there's people in their life that can maybe do it with a few of their friends or their family or maybe within their community. You have a global gift to inspect and impact and inspire others. And it's something I've learned immensely from and try and um, apply to my life. You've inspired me in that way. You're such okay. a person of service. Um, and I just commend you for the, the challenging yourself, challenging me, your sister, the, who you are in the world, your friendships, how you show up. I love your creativity. You've pulled so many things out of me and impacted my life in ways I could never imagine. And I just want to say I'm thankful for it, for our relationship and for having you as a brother and for everything you shared with our community today. Um, for more, for people that, that are just learning you or, or can't find you yet, or just how do people 
follow more? Because you do so much positive messaging on your social, on your tour. Like, where can people find and connect and engage with you? Well, recent, well th thanks for that, brother. I appreciate that, man. Um, and uh, no, I'm sure the there same are goes for you. I'm, sure, I'm sorry. I'm sure there are people that thought they were going to tune in today and hear us talk about like the Paso Doble or the Rumba. Sure. And we could do that I too if you want. I think they are blown away. <laughs> I'm just jumping on what Brooke said. Blown away uh, by, by the person that you are and, and how deep you are. I'm sorry I cut you off. Go. No, no. So where, where I, can people I, find you? Oh, um, well, now it's just, my, I was going to say my social media, but now it just consists of my new cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who's opening doors now? It, honestly, he opens doors. It's insane, man. It's insane. I'm moving into fatherhood um, <laughs> with animals. Um, yeah, just uh, just add Derek Huff. It's just my social, just Instagram, you know, things like that. And, and I try, you know, I try to put some stuff out there, but also just to have fun and just be lighthearted you know i uh, check check out derek's instagram because he's got these real serious <laughs> so pictures good. with the cheesiest comments <laughs> thoughts <laughs> they're the greatest oh, i love man. them the first one you posted i text you right away you have to keep doing, keep doing these, these. <laughs> that I, was i got one i got one locked and loaded ready to go <laughs> yeah ready to go i know too <laughs> is it the tennis one <laughs> yeah. yes so so check about at Derek Huff on all the socials at DerekHuff.com, right? Or DerekHuff.com. Yeah. Um, and NBC World of Dance. Yeah. He's also yeah. got a book out, very celebrated author. Uh, love what you do, man. Love Thanks, your brother. mission in the world. Thanks, Thank you for coming in. Uh, we want to hear what you guys think. What do you think of this episode? We would love to hear any comments and questions, insights that you have. Thank you, Dimitri. Amy. Oh, girl, it's done. You're Please through it. Please come back, Gavin and Rick and Ryan, yeah. so I can yeah. step away from the mic. You got it. Sending love to Ryan. We hope you're well. Sending love to Gavin. Uh, good luck on the tour, buddy. We miss you. And also Rick, who's up in Alaska. Stay away from the bears. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Dimitri, do you want to do it? Should I do it? I think you should do it. I should do it? Yeah. Okay. Take care of one another. Love one another. And we'll see you right back here next week for another episode of How Men Think.